came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The from outer space. And it's another smooth one here in San Diego. It's actually hot as fuck. <laughs> but nonetheless, another episode coming in hot. Podcast from Outer Space with your boy Rob Scott. We got Adam Narlock over here sitting cozy on the couch. Drinking on beer. Hey guys, thanks for listening. And as always, Ryan Scott. Hello, hello everybody. And you know, we're uh, hopping right into a, a timeless classic I'm going to go ahead and give it that name. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. What the shell are you talking about? (laughs) Shut the shell up. (laughs) Turtles in the half shell? Yes. Everybody loves these guys. Everybody knows these guys. Uh, This episode, we are getting into the history of the legendary Teenage Dream Team. That sounds a little weird. Now, why are we going with that? Are we going to cue that Katy Perry song right there? We should. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not playing Katy Perry. We don't have the rights to that. Two to one. You just lost. Uh, I thought it was only less than 30 seconds. (laughs) You're the lawyer, Rob. She told me that she was in love with me one time, so I think we can waive that. All right, so we are going to give you guys a brief background on the writers, the origin story, and the original comics, and of course, get into the toys, shows, movies, games, etc., and probably a bunch more shit along the way. Yo, I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, like everything I had was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like I had the bed stuff, I had underwear, I had all the toys. Like I remember watching the cartoon, movies. Now when were you a kid? <laughs> I still am, I guess. Early nineties. Okay. So early nineties. We're all kids at the same time, right? Uh, maybe our listeners might not know that. They can't see us. That's true. Um, so what, like ninety uh five, ninety three? Yo, before yeah, I would say like ninety three is probably my earliest memory. Like okay. vivid. Okay. Yeah. I think I was getting into it right around the time that you came into this world, little guy. <laughs> ninety one. Mm. Um, so that's like right when the movie came out, but I definitely was watching the cartoons before the movie. Oh yeah, everybody was. I f- well, I feel like most people in like our generations, like they got their first exposure was to the cartoon, not like um, comics or or um, the movies or anything, right? Right. You would and, say, you know, just like Adam I had the pajamas, the underwear. Oh yeah, dude. I had the uh, bed sheets, which I unfortunately do not have anymore. Thanks a lot, mom. <laughs> um, Shout out, Mom. I do still have my Lion King ones, though. <laughs> Future episode. The Lion King from outer space. <laughs> so uh, The Ninja Turtles are from a sewer in New York City, all right, buddy? They're touché. not from outer space. Touche. Hey, um, we'll get into it later, but Michael Bay wanted to make them from outer space. So sources for this one, I uh, found a lot of stuff on Mirage Studios' webpage. Check that out. Um, this guy, Peter Laird, one of the creators, has his own personal blog still up and running. And even Kevin Eastman has his own site where you can buy like signed figures. Um, Turtlepedia, I believe it was, Adam, correct? Yep. yep. And uh, TMNT, The Ultimate Visual History. Very cool. So, I mean, I mean, let's get right into it, guys, <laughs> boys. Um, first appearance was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles issue number one, self-published in May of 84 by Mirage Studios. Now, 
Kevin Eastman says the name Mirage came from the fact that it was literally a Mirage as they were, they did not have a studio. It was just uh, Pete's living room. Kind of like us right now. Oh, yes. very <laughs> These guys, very DIY, very grassroots, just like us. Um, you know, they were doing everything themselves from the drawing to the inking to the publishing of the comics. Printing off T-shirts. Yep. Yep, they actually would sell kids iron-ons. They made the shirts themselves. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so, you know, this this comic was actually supposed to be a uh, one-shot, but ended up being much more successful, and which we will, in fact, get into a little later. But first... There's an idea. We'll just start doing that. We'll put the logo on the iron-on patch and send it out to people. Yeah. Still got to design Brilliant. and print that off. <laughs> so, uh, I can do that right now, buddy. Some background... Stuff. Let me see your iron. So some background on these creators. Uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird are the minds behind this. Laird, right? Peter Laird? This guy's jerking off with his beer bottle, not even paying attention. Laird looks right. Okay, so... uh, Sounds kind of weird, but yeah, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Kevin Eastman, born in 62, up in uh, Portland, Maine. Hmm. Uh, Think he was hanging out with Stephen King? Probably. Uh, What? Really not a whole lot on, uh, I mean, you know, I just briefly scoured the web. Not a whole lot on, uh, you know, any notable upbringing facts, but uh, he did used to ride his bike five miles to a comic book shop where his uh, favorite comic book uh, growing up was Jack Kirby's Commandy. Uh, Jack Kirby also did Captain America. Check out that episode if you haven't, or if your name is Rob Scott and you hate Captain America. Yeah, Eastman basically idolized uh, Kirby as like a, a comic book uh, illustrator. Um, but in 83, he moved to Massachusetts where he met and began working with uh, Peter Laird and, you know, kind of bounced his work around to uh, from underground newspaper to underground newspaper, doing a lot of freelance stuff. Like until, our boy RL, huh? Yeah, um, until they created the masterpiece that is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now... Pete Laird, uh, pretty much same story. Born in North Adams, Massachusetts uh, in 54. So, you know, he's a bit older. Hey, shout out to all those guys in Massachusetts that have been listening to us lately. We see you. Oh, okay. You're yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, sorry um, that you're Patriots fans, though, probably. Okay. We don't <laughs> want to berate our fans. Come on. <laughs> We're trying to have a rational conversation. You're berating us for no reason. You're better than that. Um. Pretty much same story. Massive Jack Kirby fan. Uh, worked as an illustrator for a local newspaper um, and a few fan zines before linking up with uh, Kevin and creating uh, the Turtles in 84. Now, the creation story, pretty funny. Um, <laughs> so Mirage Studios, these guys actually started back in 1983 in Dover, New Hampshire. Uh, less than a year before the first issue was published. They moved to Sharon, Connecticut, stayed there for two years, uh, before finally ending up in Northampton, Massachusetts, which is where I believe they are still headquartered today. But it's all a mirage. Yes, maybe still living room. Uh, essentially, these guys, uh, you know, they have mirage up and running by this point, uh, but they are not making a full living on drawing comics, you know, uh, they're just sitting around. Uh, you think they were stoned when they came up with this idea? <laughs> Turtles eating pizza. Yeah. Well, the pizza thing comes later. Uh-oh. as We'll see. 
So they're just sitting around, you know, probably stoned. We can't confirm or deny. Um, and Eastman is struck by some unknown inspiration, he says, to draw a masked, nunchuck-wielding ninja turtle. Uh, as a joke, you know, he shows it to Laird. Uh, essentially, he said he was always, like, trying to annoy him uh, when he was watching TV and stuff. So he shows it to them. Of course, Laird drew a better one. And Eastman, having to top that, sketched all four uh, turtles standing in ninja poses in pencil. And Pete inked it in and added Teenage Mutant to the Ninja Turtle part. And he said, uh, and I quote, we were just pissing our pants that night, to be honest, uh, thinking this is the dumbest thing ever. Oh, I'm sorry. Somebody pissed all over my last night. <laughs> yes. Um, Talking about mutant ninja turtles. Now, apparently not so dumb uh, after all, they thought. You know, this is like um, the movie with Bradley Cooper, Limitless. He takes a drug, writes the book. You know, these guys are probably stone drunk, draw this turtle as a joke. Why do they have to be drunk too? Stone <laughs> drunk. Well, you know what They're I'm saying. Like, you I know, mean, if you think about it, it seems like the Ninja Turtles themselves are always stoned. They're just sitting around eating pizza, dude. Out, yeah, playing video games. Cowabunga. I mean, who knows what these guys were <laughs> on when they created them? Maybe nothing. But uh, they're sitting around. And then the next day, they see this drawing, and they're like, "Hey, pretty good idea, actually." So you know, they said in terms of uh, comic work, they didn't really have much else. So they decided to make. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, their next comic project. Um, now, they were massively inspired by Frank Miller, in particular, his run of Ronin and Daredevil. Um, and we can't leave out their mutual respect of Jack Kirby, obviously big influence. And even like going off the Frank Miller stuff, the Foot Clan in Ninja Turtles, they were known as the Hand in Daredevil. This like evil clan of ninjas was known as the Hand. Mm. Uh, also in Daredevil, his like uh, you know one of his um, allies or whatever is named Stick. So that's where they got the uh, Splinter inspiration. Real, real creative with his names here. <laughs> and then uh, the Shredder, they got Shredder from a cheese grater. <laughs> Apparently, they were doing dishes one night and he. Uh, Eastman picked up the cheese grater and said, oh man, can you imagine if a bad guy was just like, had one of these on his arm, just grating? And then he said, how about Shredder? And that's where they got the idea for Shredder. Boom. Shredder. An icon is born. Now, originally, they wanted the turtles to have Japanese sounding (laughs) names, but they couldn't think of any. (laughs) They don't speak the knees, as Adam says. Uh, So they literally used Laird's copy of Jason's History of Art. That's Jansen's. Oh, Jansen's <laughs> History of Art. He doesn't for, speak the knees. For uh, the inspiration. Uh, the pair chose names, uh, the names for the turtles from their top four Renaissance artists. I mean, we all know Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, Raphael. So, you know, with the groundwork being laid, um, Eastman used money from his tax return uh, Laird emptied his bank account of around $200. Sounds like mine. <laughs> <laughs> and they borrowed around a thousand, uh, maybe a little more than a thousand bucks from Eastman's uncle to print their first run of what would become this legendary comic book. Now, the, uh, the initial print run of the first issue was only 
3,275 copies. But, you know, word of mouth, it's a hell of an advertisement. Um, And they found themselves writing, drawing, and self-publishing what would become one of the most successful independent comic series of its time. Now, how much are those bad boys going for nowadays? Well, we've got that as our very last segment. We'll get to that a little and bit we'll later. We'll get to that later yeah. in the podcast. So, uh, as I said before, uh, this was this was just meant to be, uh, you know, single issue, self-contained, one-shot story. Um, and they realized, hell, we got something here. You know, people are starting to like this. So, in January of '85, they complete issue two and receive orders for fifteen thousand copies. Um, and that became so successful that uh, distributors demanded 30,000 reprints of number one and even more of a second print of number two. And then issue number three, uh, they were up to 50,000 copies. Um, sales kept going up and issue number eight uh, sold 135,000 copies. And the rest, they say, it's that's history. <laughs> so... Um, Origin story in the comics. Were you guys familiar with this growing up at all? Or I mean, like we said, we were all exposed to the um, cartoon. Cartoon, right? That was our. I, we. I mean, as a kid, didn't even know this was a comic, right? No I did idea. not. So, origin story in the comics. I mean, pretty much the same. You know, um, Splinter. He was a rat uh, in the comics. He was always a rat in the '87 cartoon. <laughs> He's a freaking rat. He's a he's a man that turns into a rat, right? Right, right, right. I right. thought he was always a rat. No, they kind of merge their characters together. So in the comic, he's the pet of ninja warrior Hamato Yoshi, um, and this guy was killed along with his lover at the hands of Oroku Saki. Uh, you know, he vowed to get revenge on Yoshi for the death of his brother Oroku Nagi. Uh, who was jealous of this guy Yoshi's girl. Uh, so he was like basically Ike Turner, like uh, OJ Simpsoning her. And this guy walked in, killed him, and then fled to New York uh, with the rat, of course. Um, and you then. You to bring your rat with you. Yeah, you got to. And the origin story also paid homage to the 64 run of Daredevil, where a young Matt Murdock is blinded by a radioactive isotope while pushing a blind man from the path of an oncoming truck. Eastman and Laird play off that by saying, hey, this canister kept bouncing and it hit this kid carrying a fishbowl containing uh, the four baby turtles. They, they fall down the sewer grate. Splinter finds them. Uh, he gets some of the ooze on himself. They all grow into the characters we know and love. Um, so basically they're in the same universe as Daredevil. Now there has not been a Daredevil crossover. Not yet. A good thing. Not yet. <laughs> would you, would that be something you guys would be interesting in seeing? Absolutely not. If it has anything to do like the Daredevil that they tried to do on the TV series. Wasn't Jennifer oh, Garner? like that? No. Man, I thought it wasn't too bad of a The movie movie. was mediocre at best. <laughs> ben Affleck? Wasn't Jennifer Garner in that? Yeah. I'd see her with the turtles. Actually, we'll get to that later. Okay, so no love for Daredevil over here. Yeah, I was actually going to say it's crazy that I don't really like Daredevil and Captain America, but I love the turtles. Hmm. Hmm. Brutal. 
So I, you want to see a crossover, motherfucker? Oh hell yeah, I'd pay to see it. <laughs> um, now I believe it was eighty-five. Dark Horse licensed the Turtles to make these uh, miniature lead figures. This is that game we we're doing research on. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So lead get this. Figures? Yeah. So like, like you got to paint them little tiny lead figures, um, and you had to actually paint them. Like, do you remember? Here, I'll go on a little rant. This is my whole spiel. So I remember when I was a kid, massive Gundam Wing fan. Um, not anymore. I mean, yeah, still am, but when I was a kid, you know. Way more. I, Way I, more I tried to be like Hero Yui. I wore the green tank top. Mm-hmm. Um, but went to go get a toy. You know, Walmart, they don't have it. So we have to go to Comics and Things, which is this like uh, tiny comic shop way outside of town. I remember uh, me and Rob begging my mom to take us there. This was my first exposure to like the level of nerd <laughs> Uh, comic stuff that is still around, you know, like if the guy sitting in there was literally some 300 pound guy, just like in, uh, <laughs> the Simpsons wearing fucking gym shorts, like looks like he's covered in chicken grease, like fat bastard. Been working all night building his magic. Deck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they sold like magic, the gathering everywhere, comic books everywhere, Gundam figures everywhere. I remember I bought one of the figures and I get it home, open the box, and it's gray. It's all gray. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? You have to paint it yourself. <laughs> and I was so fucking bummed. Like, that was... Uh, th- so these figures were like that. And apparently, they, they went along with this uh, role-playing game, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Other Strangeness. It's like Stranger Things. If any of you guys have any information about this, any, you know, maybe you still have some of the paraphernalia, let us know. We'd love to get our hands on this. I'd like to play a game, man. If it's my understanding that the figures were kind of like, like if anybody's ever played with Warhammer, I haven't, but I'm familiar. That's what it kind of looked like to me. You got to paint your own character and stuff. Yeah, it's like Monopoly, the little pieces. <laughs> I don't or like, think they're that little. Well, they're a little. They're, they're like, uh, small. yeah, they're about this big. We're um, doing that they're research. About like an inch. Oh, they're not as big as like the Han Solo figure that you have. Yeah, about that size. Like like maybe like an inch and a half tall. Anyways, Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness. If any of you guys have any of that stuff, send us pictures. Talk to us. Fill us in. Yeah, apparently it's just like a role-playing game like Dungeons and Dragons. You mm. come with this whole campaign and, and there's a whole storyboard that goes along with it. And... Um, so this was like the first thing. This is, kind of, this is like uh, pretty interesting because... I can't really think of any other comics that were like toys before they got like a show and stuff, right? Or like kind of evolved more so from the toys than the comics, if that makes sense. Kind of like the toy. Yeah, I get you. Like the like comics the, were like. The toys dictated where it went, not the comics. Right, right, right. So like. The comics had like a cult following. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like original uh, Mirage comic was not made for young kids. It, it was basically a parody of, of comics at the time. Like they're turtles. Like turtles move slow. So mm-hmm. they're like, hey, this would be hilarious if these guys were ninjas. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it was like extremely violent. Like uh, think about like Sin City. They were black and white. Alexis Uh, Bedell. They're cutting up enemies. You know, they're cussing here and there. They got Casey Jones, (laughs) 
uh, who's basically like Jason. High on cocaine. Yeah, he beats down like uh, anybody who who's doing something wrong in his eyes with hockey sticks and baseball bats. And the inspiration for him, they even said, um, you know, so many of the comic book heroes at the time, they were inspired to be vigilantes because they had a tragedy happen to them. You know, Batman's parents die, right? Yep, That's yep. a classic superhero trope. Um, this guy, they said, hey, it'd be hilarious if we just had a vigilante who was just inspired by watching way too much like shitty cop shows <laughs> and like, just goes out fighting crime based off of like TV. Dude, something that could happen today, not to get political. Hey, maybe, man. Go start. <laughs> but uh, the real... Now, do you think the real Casey Jones had any influence? He was kind of a hero himself, you know? Conductor, saved all those people in train wreck. Mm-hmm. Do you think he was literally named after that? I couldn't find any anything on that. Where else would you come up with the name Casey Jones, man? So then, fast forward, you know, we get the Playmates toys. So they express their interest in producing uh, Ninja Turtles action figures in 1986. So this is a year after the Dark Horse uh, role-playing game and those figures. Um, now, the comics, uh, PG-13 at the time, but their whole attitude in the comics didn't fly with the uh, four- to eight-year-old target audience that Playmates wanted to uh, go after. That's us, buddy. So in addition, um, Playmates said, hey, Get an animated cartoon series going uh, as part of the marketing. Then we'll talk about making a line. And again, this uh, animated series had to uh, pass television sensors for the four to eight crowd. Uh, So, you know, they had to make these turtles appeal to this target range. Uh, They had to go soft, as we say. Is that what we say in the industry? That's what we say in the industry. They went soft on us. Now... Got a quote from Laird, who has really, I think, been more vocal than Eastman. Like, Eastman kind of really doesn't care. I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Eastman sold his rights uh, to Laird in, like, maybe the early 2000s. Obi-Wan's a sucker. So Laird owns all of it now, but he's been more vocal. Um, He says, speaking for himself... Um, if he had been making the key creative decisions for the first animated series, it would have been very different. He says they would there would have been no moronic henchmen like Bebop and Rocksteady. Uh, Shredder would have been seriously malevolent. Uh, April would not be like a damsel in distress reporter constantly needing to be rescued. And the Turtles would not have been ridiculously obsessed with pizza. And the show would not have had a joke or a gag every five seconds. <laughs> so they really kind of took this whole thing and like kidified it uh, from this point on. You know, I was even reading about the role playing game. Like this was like huge with teenagers at the time, you know, older kids, but still kids that like played, you know, like we were saying Magic the Gathering, shit like that. D&D. Yeah. Um, they stopped playing the role playing game after the cartoon came out because they were like, this is for kids. Like I can't be caught dead playing this. I mean, any thoughts on like kidifying this whole thing? I mean, let's say you were approached with a deal like this. Would you take it? Would you kidify your creation to make a few extra bucks? Would you sell your soul for rock and roll? 
I don't know, man. I mean, obviously they you want to make money, so I guess if that's what's selling, you gotta adapt. Well, I don't think they really knew it was gonna sell. They're just like playmates. This is playmates coming up to them at first glance, saying, "Hey, gotta have this as a show. Four to eight year olds is our target. Let's do it." Let's do it. You eh? have this extremely violent comic book. What are you saying? That's probably going to be a no for me, dog. Okay, so you're sticking to your roots. How about you, T-Bag? I'll take the money. Ka-ching! Okay, so you're for the kids. Oh, everything for the kids. Terrell (laughs) loves kids. Okay. All right, so, I mean, let's get into toys. I mean, from 88 to 97... Playmates produced around 400 different Ninja Turtles figures, and they had a dozen or so vehicles and play sets to go along. Uh, For the first four years of what is known as Turtle Mania, it is estimated that around $1.1 billion, U.S. dollars, worth of toys were sold. Uh, This made um, Turtles the number three top-selling toy figures ever at the time, behind only... G.I. Joe and Star Wars. Yo, I believe that. And I'm pretty sure I had every single Ninja Turtles and Star Wars. Every like, single toy. Every single toy. So you had 400 different Ninja Turtles toys? Dude, I would not be surprised. Man, you crazy. I remember I always... Where are they now? All right, see? <clears throat> I had this like box full of it. It had like, all the Power Rangers, all the Star Wars, and all the Ninja Turtles toys. It's like, in, like a toy chest. And one year, like, I decided to, you know, do something good. It was for scouts, like, collecting toys for kids. So I just donated the whole damn box. And I bet you had some gold in there. <laughs> Probably. Um, yeah, so I remember I always wanted the blimp, but never never got it, you know? <laughs> you remember the blimp? All I can think of is a Christmas story. Wee, a Zeppelin. <laughs> it was like an actual blow-up uh like Ninja Turtles blimp and it had a little plastic thing at the bottom where the figures went in. You know what I'm talking about? Rob, you know what I'm talking about, right? I don't know. Did we have the blimp? No, we never had the blimp. Always wanted. But do you remember the blimp? I can't think of it, no. Oh, well, it was cool. <laughs> what was so cool about it? I just thought it was the coolest toy as a kid. What was your favorite? Strictly Ninja Turtles. I mean, Michelangelo has always been my favorite, so I got to go with that. Yo, did you get... I had, like, Mighty Max Ninja Turtle things. Did y'all ever have that? at all? Ninja Turtles. Oh. See, Ninja Turtles, I'm just going to say Michelangelo. I did not have the Mighty Max toys, though. But it was, like, Ninja Turtles. Mighty Max. Yeah, I remember they... I remember those, but I didn't have them. (sighs) Thank you, Mom, for working at a toy store. All right, so... um, So you apparently had those. I did. So we'll get into the uh, TV shows. Adam, you want to take us through these? No. You guys remember those Power Ranger toys, though? A little bit. Where you press the thing on their chest and And it flips around to their mask. Had all of them. Those are some of my favorite toys growing up. So we got the 1987 animated series. Ryan was kind enough to let me borrow a disc with some episodes. Good stuff. A little nostalgia kicking in. And this is like we were saying, this is where like everything comes from, basically. Right? This is the This other. is when they got kidified when they started getting popular. The Ninja Turtles we know and love today. Yes. So there were ten seasons, 193 episodes. Interesting note. This was labeled as a comedy for seasons one through seven and a drama for seasons eight through ten. I mean, things got serious, you know. Got a little weird at they the end there. They had to uh, attack it onto the TNT. We know drama. 
So like Ryan was saying, the image had to be changed from the uh, darker comic series and kind of toned down to a more kid-friendly series. You know, just once again, it's Hollywood playing with ratings, playing with numbers. Those guys lie about everything. Switching things up for no reason. But fun fact, Chuck Lore, I believe the guy, he does uh, Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men, Mike and Molly. He actually helped perform and compose the OG soundtrack. So, oh, so the, the classic theme song we all know and love. Cue the music. Only for 30 seconds. Uh, and also, huge, huge controversy here. This is where the mass color change was implemented uh, with the 87 cartoon series to help audiences who were kids uh, tell them apart aside from their weapons. And this spawned endless arguments amongst kids for years to come. Oh, all right, let's get into it right now. Probably the most controversial segment. Favorite Ninja Turtle? Favorite? That's what I said. <laughs> uh, probably Raph or Mikey. Come on, you got to pick one. Raph. Michelangelo always. Okay. Raphael myself. I'm a Raphael guy. Now, what would you say? What well, ninja- that's just because he has an R on him and you're Ryan. Well, you're Rob. <laughs> that's true. Oh, I can't pick the same damn one as my brother. What Ninja Plus, Turtle? You know, Michelangelo's got nunchucks and he skateboards. I thought that was cool when I was little. What Ninja Turtle would you say you are? Still sticking with Michelangelo, buddy. You're Michelangelo. So you know how to use the nunchucks. Yeah, pull them out. <laughs> Let me see your nunchucks. You know, I'm a huge Michelangelo. I'm a huge nunchuck fan, but Michelangelo, a little too uh, buffoon. He's a little too much of a buffoon for me, a bozo. <laughs> yeah, that's me. That's why I think <laughs> Now, I'm going to say it right off the bat. Honestly, I don't get I think Donatello gets a bad rap. Cuz most critics are cynical ass. Honestly, I think he's uh I will say he's uh I like him better than Leonardo's bitch ass. <laughs> Don- why, dude? Leonardo's cool. Uh A bow staff, badass weapon. Dude, the ninja sword is way cooler than a bow staff. Yeah, but think about it, dude. He's got two of them. Yeah. So what? I think it's Donnie just, was ahead of his time, dude. Yeah, I think Don, and everybody says he's you the biggest. You used to have the size, just like Raphael. Remember that? Yeah, and and he also has a very misunderstood weapon. Um, in the cartoons, he's always cutting stuff with the sai. The sai, most people don't know, they're a uh, striking and blocking weapon. You don't cut or stab with them. Um, but the more you know, but what I'm thinking is everybody says Donatello is this big party pooper guy. Honestly, I think Leo's more of that. He's always like, Oh, we gotta do things this way, guys. Splinter wouldn't like us doing <laughs> that. Come on, we gotta work together. He's always being such a such an asshole. I mean, Raphael's kind of the same way, buddy, and that's your favorite one. Well, let's get into that. Or is this later in the especially outline? No, this in, is what we're getting especially into. Okay. in the movie. Okay, which we, movie are we talking? Nineteen ninety original. You good? You good? Oh, oh, oh the, all right. 
who would you say your other brothers are? So you're telling our loyal legion of listeners who we think the other brother is as a Ninja Turtle character. So for instance, I think Rob is a Raph because he's always ornery. And he gets mad very easily. Very easily. He loses temper. Yes. And he's just headstrong and he comes up with these ideas and he goes out and does them. (laughs) I'm going out, guys. And I would say Ryan is a mix like if Michelangelo and Donatello had a baby, boom. And those two babies got together? (laughs) So I'm a mix. I'm not even just one? Uh, I gave you Donatello because you've been setting this up, setting up the new layout so we're not... Dying of heat. Now I don't. So Adam's want... uh, the Leonardo. Yeah. Yeah. After I said all that <laughs> stuff. Hey, I would just say that because he's always the level-headed guy, you know. Except Is we'll he? get to that later in the outline. What's that? We have a good story about a time where I was not level-headed. Oh well, that was back in your younger days. You know, you're wiser now. I'm older and now. a teacher. I'm not a teenager. So maybe you're like Splinter. Maybe. Ooh, did not think about that. We're talking about the turtles, guys. Come on. Okay, so... Well, maybe you're like April because you're a bitch. Wow. <laughs> Trying right. to have a rational Come discussion on. with you. That's not, that's not right. <laughs> Just fucking with you. Okay, so... I'm messing with you guys. So after the 87 animated series, you know, 10 Great seasons. Stuff. Yeah. Um, Find it on DVD if you, you know, can. Launching of Turtle Mania. So, 97, we get Ninja Turtles, The Next Mutation. Hmm. Now, this is a live action show produced by Saban. Not Nick Saban. Uh, the <laughs> same guy who did Power Rangers. Power Rangers was a lot. We got a first name on there? Like, literally at the end of every episode, it just said Saban, and it had, like, the gold medallion. with like- Hi-am. Hi-am. Hi, well, am <laughs> Sabin. Now, is he Japanese? No, he's Jewish. Mm. Um, someone's hiding a little Judaism. <laughs> now, uh, I don't think he's hiding it. Look at his picture. Um, <laughs> you can you can see uh, the heavy Power Rangers influence in this oh, show, yeah. right? Uh, Complete ripoff. Like, take any episode just of the going, Power Rangers and put in these Ninja Turtles. Yeah, yeah, and also. Features our first ever female turtle. Venus de Milo, the gummy from the Simpsons. Now, this is the only turtle to be named after a work of art and not an artist. So, you know, again, we're just... um, That's the male patriarchy suppressing the females there. (laughs) Um, But exactly what you would expect from a 90s Power Rangers ripoff. And I believe... This is on Netflix currently, right? It is. I managed to make it through exactly one episode. Okay. Now, <laughs> um, now Laird again, most vocal of the two creators, he says, and I quote, the only licensed product that I truly regret is Ninja Turtles The Next Mutation. Here, here, but <laughs> this is so, not good, man. Yeah, not a big fan. Now, in 2003... We get another Ninja Turtles cartoon. Now, this one was co-created by Laird. Uh, it was revived by Fox and 4Kids Entertainment. And now you were saying this is most loyal to the original comic storylines? To my understanding, yes. Uh, a little bit darker, you know, not as much comedy, as much gags as the 87 series, he'd say. 
I mean, it was a different time. Um, yeah, and actually, I did see one. Uh, they made a movie in 2009 from this series. They actually like meet up with all the different iterations of the turtles. It's actually pretty funny. Um, <laughs> and we'll get to that later in the outline. No, that's our just Google it. Uh. Um, check that clip out. Just type in uh, Turtles Forever comics or something like that. Was it a comic or a TV show? It's a TV show, but they meet the co- like they meet the comic versions oh, okay, okay. of themselves, and it's black and white. Um, they meet like the '87 cartoon, and they're like really just fucking very harsh joking on them. <laughs> um, and then in 2012, we got Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 3D rendered turtles. Uh, this one was developed by Nickelodeon. Uh, more of an anime type feel. Apparently, very popular with audiences and critics. Now, have you ever seen the show? Here's the thing. I remember my nephews were watching it, and I couldn't get into it because I was like, "This is not the original." But they loved it. They raved about it. And I went back and watched a couple episodes on Hulu, where it is available right now. It's not bad. It's not original Turtles, but if you're open minded, it's not bad. Which it's, it's way better than the '97. So okay, it's similar okay. to watching like a newer version of Power Rangers. Then the 97. You mean 87? No. Oh, nine, Next Mutation? Yeah, because oh, okay. that sucked. I would much rather watch. Well, yeah, it's 3D, right? Yeah, and it is. it does have an anime feel to it. Okay. Now, we're going to get into the 90s films here. Uh, but just a random note, I think this this fits best here. So in 1990... Um, and this is apparently a whole thing, which I found doing my research. So um, somebody smuggled 250,000 turtles, real life turtles. Smuggled? Yeah. They smuggled them into Britain. Smuggled. Uh, How do you even get that many turtles yeah. in the first place? Smuggled them illegally into Great Britain. <laughs> they couldn't bring them in. Like, you know how when you're crossing borders, like, you got any seeds? You got any, like... Uh, oh, no. Just 250,000 small turtles. <laughs> hey, these smugglers, man. They're on another level. <laughs> 250,000 turtles were imported into Britain to feed the demand of the fans. Uh, big in the UK. Ninja Turtles was huge in the UK in the 90s as well. If I'm not mistaken, was it all, wasn't it also renamed in Great Britain? Yep. To Teenage is. Mutant Hero Turtles? Yes, because they say ninja carries a negative connotation. Too violent for the Brits. Oh, Lord. Yeah, uh-huh. I mean, you got these soccer hooligans. The guys hooligans. that came over here and attacked us after yeah. we wanted to start our own country. And you got these soccer hooligans beating everybody up. Soft. Well, but that was nin- in the 80s. Well, still went into the 90s. And then, but ninjas are too, uh, <laughs> that's too hard for but them. They got to get away from that violent perception. Maybe a little racist. A little, mm. ra- a little bit. Okay, so big in the UK. So all these kids, they so want. So someone was like, hey, these guys are liking these turtles. Let's take 250,000 of them and sell them to these fucking This kids. sounds yeah, like a scheme exactly. you would come up yeah. with. <laughs> these guys are Maybe, next level. Maybe uh, Roman would come up with something. Oh, yeah, Lord. so for only a few pounds, all these kids are buying these small turtles. Now, they didn't take into account that they would grow to be around the size of a dinner plate. So um, a lot of these kids, you know, they didn't want to take care of the animals or they realized, hey, this is too much responsibility. Um, they just, you know... Drop them off at rivers, ponds, um, all around. And this, like, uh, severely devastated native ecosystems, uh, the problem became so severe that the European Union banned the sale of 
the red-eared terrapins in 97. Mm. Now, I also found in my research, because I'm thinking, hey, this is pretty interesting stuff. So apparently what this is, is called uh, the the Nemo effect. You guys familiar with this? Not to be confused with the butterfly effect. No, Nemo effect. So Finding this, Nemo? Yeah, this also happened when Finding uh, Nemo came out so apparently this happens when like any sort of animated movie featuring like a, a an animal or like a pet comes out this effect happens and with nemo clownfish like every kid wanted a clownfish so basically what happens is these pet stores are pulling clownfish from their native population so those numbers are going down these kids are getting them and thinking, hell, I want to fish. Then they're like, no, don't want it. So also what happened yeah, after Nemo, like Rob was saying, all these kids thought, hey, I'll flush my fish down the toilet and it'll be free in the ocean. <laughs> so there was like a massive flushing like uh, across the U.S. of clownfish ending up in like uh, in sewage systems in backup. And uh, then they became the Teenage Mutant Ninja Clownfish. <laughs> and uh, so a lot of like animal activists people were saying, hey, you know, the parents, they have to sit down with their kids after movies like this come out because these clownfish or these turtles or any, this even happened with uh, 101 Dalmatians. Oh, every kid wanted guilty, a Dalmatian. Guilty. And then, you know, within a month, they're like, they're hey, flushing them down the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> they're winding up in septic tanks. No, they 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 wind up at an animal shelter because they're like, hey, I don't I don't want to take care of this Dalmatian. And now all the animal shelter has is 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Maybe they can make a nice coat. Oh, that's <laughs> fucked up. So, uh, yeah, so you know, if you got kids out there, it's important to you know tell them, hey, talk to them. Say, hey, Ninja Turtles, they're not real. You're not going to get a turtle. It's not going to... You're not going to pour radioactive juice all over it, and it's going to grow into Michelangelo. And you're not going to teach it ninjutsu. (laughs) And we're definitely not getting a rat and pouring radioactive (laughs) material on it. And we're not getting pizza for dinner tonight. So let's get into the uh, 90s films, guys. I mean, everybody knows these. So Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, 1990. The Trill OG. Uh, budget of $13.5 million, grossed $135 million U.S., $200 million worldwide. This was the, uh, I would say, most successful of the franchise. Probably the most badass, for being honest. Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, this film became the second highest grossing independent film of all time uh, in 1990, right? Well, this is according to Hollywood accountants, who we oh, all know a lot. Yeah, we know that's very uh, iffy, those numbers there. It's a very gray area. Still a good film. Uh, Corey Feldman did the voice of Donatello in both films. That's probably the most notable voice, right? He did the voice in like the first and the third, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this one was made in three months' time. That's what I heard. Uh, now, why would you say this one is the most uh, popular version with fans? This is like a new hope for Star Wars. Okay, you know? so just original, you know. Uh, this is probably the first time other than Next Mutation that fans saw like live action version. I mean, a realistic live-action version, <laughs> as realistic as we could be for the times. Plus, I feel like going back and watching it, it's a little uh, nostalgic. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. Not, uh, didn't really stand the test of time. I mean, this is the first time we've seen this comic book of this cartoon get basically transposed to the big screen, too. Everyone's super excited, super hyped. Yeah, I would say this, uh, this film, the original, like the one in 1990, uh, is the most, like, it takes from everything. Because this took from the cartoons, it took uh, the story, like when he fights, when he meets Casey Jones and fights with him, it's it's him and Raphael, just like in the comics. Mm. Um, like it kind of is like a good median, if you will, of all of the turtles. Plus, you know, let's not forget uh, Jim Henson's. <sighs> Ooh, R.I.P. Pour one out. Yep. Uh, yeah, designed these uh, awesome suits and. Was he also responsible for the stop motion as well? Great stop motion in their uh, origin story in that movie. <laughs> Pizza. <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was hilarious. Now, let me just go on a rant because this one is my favorite. Go ahead. And I will say, first off, uh, Danny Pennington, you know, the delinquent son of April's boss? Yep. Red Dude has the sickest Sid Vicious shirt. Notice that. Wears it the whole movie. <laughs> well, he has two different ones, but the first one he wears that says Sid on the back, awesome. I saw it going for like 250 pounds on Etsy, some original version of it. Sickest he shirt. He probably ever. used to have it. Uh, Casey Jones, pretty badass in this movie. I mean, him, me, and he's like, you know, like an idiot. He's like, <laughs> hey, you know, what, what are we doing over here? Uh, <laughs> when he fights Raph, you know, uh, and the Foot Clan hideouts, fucking badass. badass they got dude. these sick ass skate ramps everywhere. They're, Arcade. These kids machines. are playing pool, smoking cigars. It's like Pleasure Island in uh, Pinocchio. <laughs> um, and they got this little like fight club in the back, you know. Where it, these ninjutsu dudes just come whoop their asses. It's basically like our childhood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Video it's games, like skate ramps, yeah, fight club. Um, and, you know, we got Sam Rockwell's character in there. Just like, hey, hey, you uh, you 10-year-old kids want some cigarettes? What flavor you want? <laughs> Menthol or regular, huh? It's fucking badass, dude. This is everything 90s. You sold cigarettes to a four-year-old? No, I'm saying that happened when we were kids, dude. Josh Gaines used to go to the middle school. <laughs> Don't do say- that. No, 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 this, this guy doesn't need any more legal trouble. <laughs> say Josh Gaines of that shit. No, I'm saying uh, Josh Gaines may or may not allegedly have. He used to go, you know, sell cigarettes to these kids. <laughs> Buy the, he would sell them one cigarette, one dollar. Lucy. So he's making 100% profit smart, off of that. Smart. Um, but yeah, you know, that's that's everything 90s right there. Sid Vicious, um, kids smoking cigarettes, playing pool, skating on ramps. It's fucking badass. And that is my uh, rant on the first film. Speaking of ninjas, I used to have to get Joseph down the street to go buy me cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> now, another thing I will say, though, on this film, it is hard for me to imagine them as teenagers um, in the first one, in the second one, Secret of the Ooze, which we'll get to in just a second, more believable as teenagers. In the first one, you've got Raphael. He's like Joe Pesci from uh, Goodfellas. Hey, where you going? I'm going to a movie. You got a problem with that? Just his voice is so. Uh, why is also why is Raphael the only one that talks like a New York cab driver? 
Well, they are in New York. I know, but the He's rest the of them are one, normal. Yeah. Like, why is Raphael the only one? I don't. I feel like there's an, one other one that has it. Like Michelangelo obviously has like the sub. Dude. Yeah, he's the bro. Leonardo's like, uh, you know, he sounds like a kid, and and so does Donatello, like a bumbling nerd almost. <laughs> but uh, Raph, well, he still kind of has the New York accent a little bit, but not as uh, not as bad as as Raphael. Maybe they're from different boroughs, Montauk, if you will. Maybe. Now, ninety one. Uh, we get great year. Ninja Turtles two, Secret of the Ooze. It's my personal favorite. Although I will say I did gain a newfound respect for the first one after watching it. Okay, now I will say I got a newfound lost respect for the second one. Oh, <laughs> now <laughs> budget of twenty five million pulled in around seventy eight or seventy eight point six million. That's shocking to me. I thought it was a great movie at the time. Early 90s, man. Anything is possible. Uh, now, what did you like so much about this movie? Just what? nostalgia factor? No, or... how can it be nostalgia when I was a kid? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, I'm telling you, everything about it was awesome. You got the turtles. I think I was a little bit older. I mean, only a year later, but I was old enough to appreciate it. You I'm... got the turtles? I would hope so in well, a Ninja Turtles <laughs> <laughs> But like, like you said, there's a big difference in the way they act in the first one and the second one. It's yeah. more of a lighthearted feel to it. The pizza oh, looks way better. Now, oh, interesting note about the pizza. Yeah. I believe it. Well, in the second one, it's Roy's Pizza, like a local chain, right? Right. With Oh, yeah. And then in the first one, I saw it's Domino's, Domino's which but, apparently sucked at the time. Well, so apparently Domino's is the product placement in the first film. Yeah. But for their marketing campaigns and stuff after the film, they used Pizza Hut. <laughs> <laughs> like Pizza Hut got to deal with them. They're really pushing that 30 minutes or less or it's $10 off deal. Well, that was Domino's, right? $3 off, yeah. Yeah. They didn't have that deal going in the... uh, Little Nero's. Okay, so... Leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of there. (laughs) Now, I think (laughs) the only things I didn't like, which I didn't even really notice as a kid, in the second one, they basically don't use any of their weapons at all. Because apparently so many parents complained that it was like inciting violence uh, mm. from the first film. Because as we said, it's like an amalgamation of the comics and the cartoons. In the second one, they don't even use their weapons at like not once on a bad guy. They're even trapped in a net and he has swords on his back and doesn't even use them to <laughs> cut the net. <laughs> All right. Um, but I mean, other than that, the only other thing is like, uh, I feel like they could have done cooler shit with the super shredder fighting him. Very small cameo. Basically. Yeah. And the, really the, the third act of the film is a dance off with vanilla ice. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like you're expecting some big fight scene and you get this dance off with vanilla ice. Very kid friendly. So I noticed while I was watching, what is it, 2016? Um, out of the Shadows? Out of the Shadows. Is that, is that what that is? Yeah. I just felt like it was very it was a very blatant ripoff, almost a la Force Awakens, if you will, taking a page out of that book. But if you go through, watch both movies when you get a chance. You got, what do you got, TGRI and uh, Secrets of the Ooze? TCRI. No. TCRI. TGRI is from Secrets of the Ooze. 
and then TCRI is in oh, Out okay, of the Shadows. Okay. I mean, that's maybe there's more to it than I know. I just feel like go through, watch the movies again, and it's like a blatant ripoff. Well, I, it's a remake, right? They're, I mean, not necessarily a remake of Secret of the Ooze, but they're remaking from the source material. Just reintroducing it, repackaging but it Secret to a new the, generation. Well, I liked Out of the Shadows actually had Rocksteady and Bebop. Uh, fucking Secret of the Ooze has some like two ripoffs. Tokar and Razor, <laughs> yeah. Fucking stupid. <laughs> also, I did have those action figures though. I still don't think Force Awakens is a blatant ripoff. Okay, we're not going down this one again because you're wrong. Now, also, <laughs> I noticed don't like change, buddy. Um, in the second one, you know the Pizza Boys like fat joke at the beginning. Kino, he gets on the bike and they're like, he's like, "Hey, oh, ladies, <laughs> where are we going tonight?" Like, you hopping on my bike, and then she says, "In your dreams," and he, he said, "In my dreams, I'd see something a lot thinner." <laughs> these these <laughs> girls aren't even big. And then uh, there's also a part in there where Splinter is like up on the roof meditating and they ask April, hey, where is Splinter? Like, what what was he doing up there? And then he Splinter appears in the windows and he just goes, coming to a decision. <laughs> it's such a long pause on Splinter's coming joke. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's really like... Um, I mean, they had some funny stuff in there, you know. Right in the back of a garbage truck. Ah. Dude, I love that movie. Now, how about the 93? We get TMNT3. Sucked. Worst movie. Next. <laughs> I think it is. Uh, it, it, this is where it gets a little weird, right? I Yes, and I, I haven't seen the movie in a long time, but while doing research, I think I kind of got a new appreciation another newfound respect i'm saying man the, now this, this is an enlightening episode this one's where that's relating to star wars they're just pumping out too much shit into a little time trying to squeeze everything out of it that they can well this was two years later but yeah that's pretty close <laughs> not a year like the first one yeah but i'm saying that's in four years three movies that's a lot of shit well this one capped the trilogy with a budget of 21 million only got forty two million. Uh, Just only forty two, man. They well, doubled their money exactly. Like, yeah. So not, not a good, strong man. profit at all compared to the first one where they like tripled it easy. But way more than that. Better than the nineties Captain America movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, this one's like you know they got time travel in there. Um, you know. Not great. Uh, 27% on Rotten Tomatoes, although we don't really like to gauge successes off Take of that. Take that with a grain of salt, but I feel like this is the closest they've been on a movie. Okay, okay. Now, you want to say anything about video games? You just touch on them. Like, I remember growing up, uh, well, a lot of the stuff done for these guys is done by Konami, who does, like, Castlevania, Silent Hill, Metal Gear, if you guys are into that. Dance Dance Revolution, I did not know that. What's high score mean? <laughs> I remember a lot of the games being featured on the Nintendo, the Super Nintendo. I know they had some... Turtles dance. in Time, dude? Yeah, dude, classic. Oh, great one. Classic. Even on a handheld, you just got the Game Boy Advance, so if anybody's got their hands on that, send us a copy. But my favorite, I will say, was definitely like the arcade version. I remember playing that with Chuck E. Cheese. Going back and forth between With that. With Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, sometimes, man. <laughs> I remember, like, the 
Is that his name, Chucky? Yeah. Um, Why is that funny? I remember With it Chuck at, e. they had it at Pongo Pizza. Yep, yep, exactly. Great pizza too, by the way. Shout out. Now. It's a, it was I, it was I. You're joking. Now, do we want to get into the modern films a little bit? Touch on those? Yes, uh, we might. Start. Obviously, we've got the 3D animated version, TMNT, in 2007. That sucked. Really? Uh, you know, the guy that directed this, uh, Kevin Monroe, did the story. He was a storyboard artist for Hey Arnold. Oh. Uh, and Chris Evans, another Captain America reference, voiced Casey Jones. And Kevin Smith is also the voice of a cook at uh, one of the diners in there, supposedly. <laughs> um, this one, budget of $34 million, pulled in around $95.6 million. Now, I remember going to see this in theaters with Roman and you two guys. Right? Does that sound right? This would have been in like May, I feel like. Yeah. Yep. Now, you have a story from this that you remember? Well, I think I remember, and maybe you guys can validate. I remember we were leaving the theaters and walking to your car. It was parked on like the side. Always. And yeah. And there are these two kids like walking down the sidewalk. And I don't know if they said something or what, but I just flipped my shit and was like ready to fight them. Does this sound? Yes. See? Okay. This is ringing a bell. Yes, yes, yes. I wish I remember what those kids said, but I was ready to go. And maybe it was because the Ninja Turtles. Inciting violence, dude. Dude. Inciting violence, just like the parents complaining after yep. the 90s movie. Yep. Just like drinking too many Red Bull vodkas when you're out of the club. <laughs> okay. So, you know, you're all riled up. For God knows what reason. Ryan, you were there. Ninja Turtles, dude. They make people want to fight. In 2014, this is when we get the reboots. Um, So they released Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, directed by Jonathan Liebsman. Uh, He also did Darkness Falls, you know that horror movie about the Tooth Fairy? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Texas Chainsaw, The Beginning. Uh, this one had a budget of $125 million, Pulled in about $493.3 million, <laughs> Starring most notably Megan Fox, mm-hmm. Will Arnett, uh, Tony Shalhoub as Monk, as Splinter, <laughs> and Johnny Knoxville as Leo. Now, I did not know Johnny Knoxville was Leo when I first saw it. No, he did not know that. And now every time I watch it, like... That's all I can see. <laughs> and I can't imagine him being a teenager. <laughs> now, this one has a little bit, uh, two controversies along with this one. Um, in early March of 2012, Michael Bay, who produced the film, they were doing like some Nickelodeon preview thing. And he said, he announced the film would be simply titled Ninja Turtles. And the turtles would be from an alien race Mm. now obviously this was met with massive criticism and outrage nonetheless from the fan community okay all right see you say that and listen up here rob because i can kind of i see where you're at because if this guy was trying to do something different put his own spin on it and people flip shit and oh, yeah. here I am when Star Wars, like if they would have done something different with Star Wars, people would have flipped shit. When they do the exact same ripoff, people like me flip shit. It's a catch-23 situation. A- <laughs> no, it's, it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because, yeah, the, at one level, you could try to do something different, cool, which they did with Last Jedi, I personally liked. Um, you know, then you're saying you hated... 
Force Awakens because it wasn't new. It wasn't different. But then you also hate Last Jedi because <laughs> it's too different. Right. So, you know, where, where are we going? Um, but keep taking my money, Disney. But check this out. So eventually, he, you know, he told him, hey, chill out. You know, we're not doing that. Uh, but he's messing with you. In August 2012, an early version of the script titled The Blue Door uh, had leaked online. Check out some of these changes. See if you would have been down with this. The turtles um, hailed from another dimension um, that consists of turtle warriors. I'm all right so far. Splinter was an alien from the same dimension. An um, alien or an alien rat? Yeah, like, a, you know, I guess alien rat. I don't know. Uh, Shredder was a guy named Colonel Schrader. <laughs> uh, he was a government agent who is secretly an alien. Uh, like a shapeshifter, I'm guessing, who can grow blades from his body, like the original Deadpool, <laughs> like Wolverine. <laughs> the Foot Clan was just the Foot, which was an elite black ops unit led by Colonel Schrader. Casey Jones was an 18-year-old security guard and amateur ice hockey player. April, also 18. And, you know, Raphael was the comic relief instead of Michelangelo. Michelangelo falls in love with a turtle woman from his home planet. And then eventually, you know, this script was taken down. They said, hey, you can't be posting this stuff out. And um, Peter Laird, one of the original creators, uh, he read the script and said, all true Ninja Turtles fans should be grateful to the new powers that be that they did not allow this wretched thing to go any (laughs) further. See? Um, and and Michael Bay released a statement saying that this draft was like written before he and Platinum Dunes had joined the project, so you know they had rejected this uh, sometime before they got started. Now I I will say in the new films I do like that Raphael is wearing a do rag. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Until you said <laughs> you had to keep those waves, you know. Yeah. Um. Did you have something? Oh. Uh- no, I was just going to say thank the powers that be that that script never came to fruition. Now, another thing, another controversy on this first film I saw. So apparently this was going to be released on September 11th in um, in Australia or something like that. Or maybe it was also like a 3D IMAX thing on September 11th. So Paramount releases this poster and they put a tweet out with the um, September 11th release date. And it's the turtles just jumping down this building that's exploding at the top, very reminiscent of the World Trade Center. Too soon. And they get a massive blowback. Uh, you know, they issue an apology for this thing. Uh, this another, just Google it. Google Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 9-11 poster. Check this thing out. See if you're offended by it. Let us know what you, what you think. Then we get Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles out of the shadows in 2016. Uh, directed by David Green, uh, who really had done nothing else um, of any uh, note before this film. This was like one of his first big budget films. $135 million pulled in $245, uh, brought back uh, the same cast, essentially. And my favorite had Gary Anthony Williams, uh, Stevie's dad, and Malcolm <laughs> in the Middle as Bebop, and Seamus as rock steady. I thought that was brilliant casting and th- those guys were hilarious in those roles. It's hard to see 
uh, Gary Anthony Williams as anybody but Stevie's dad. Yeah, Mr. Canarbin. And I also, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, listeners or you guys, was the uh, guy who does the mayhem commercials for Allstate, the bartender. Oh, yep, yep, yep. He was in there as well. Great um, casting. I agree. They did a good job there. Fact. But I think they did a good job with that movie. I think it was better than the first one. Um, it's now streaming on Hulu and Amazon Prime if you want to check it out. So now what can we say about the, you know, the whole rights of the Ninja Turtles? Um, you know, obviously, as we know, this stuff gets jumbled uh, with comics that were, you know, back in the day. Um, where do we stand with these rights issues, controversies, kicking it over to our lawyer in the field, uh, Rob? Well, I can tell you this, that number one, Eastman eventually sold his shares to Laird. So Laird now has all creative control? Well, this is where it gets a little tricky because in October of 2009... He sold all rights for merchandising, imagery, everything Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to Nickelodeon. Oh, so that's Laird? So, I mean, this is no, uh, well, this is Mirage Studios, okay. actually. Okay. Which still exists, by the way. Yep. It's not but a Mirage. <laughs> I'm not going to read you the lengthy uh, post that he posted about it. Break it down for us. But basically, um, He broke it down like this. He said, you know, guys have been doing this for almost 30 years. When it started, you know, we're just a couple like goofy kids drawing comics, doing it for fun. And it's kind of expanded out of our hands now. And taking over their lives. You know, Nickelodeon wants to do stuff with it that they weren't really trying to do anymore. And he didn't want to be involved with it anymore. So sold it for a cool $60 million. Which I feel like that he kind of got ripped off there because really? they're making... Well, if they made a billion off the toys back in the 80s. But nonetheless, Nickelodeon owns everything Ninja Turtles now. So, you know, it's no uh, George Lucas $4 billion deal, but... Yeah, and, and Nickelodeon's honestly gone a bit down the drain after the 90s. You know what it was? I actually did some research on this. SpongeBob. And we were just talking oh, earlier about how great SpongeBob was. Well, yeah. Yes, we were. But SpongeBob is, that's what you're saying is where they did the whole like uh, merchandising. No, I'm saying like Nickelodeon went downhill after SpongeBob came out because they put all their eggs in one basket. They started getting away from quality programs. Oh, okay. Not that SpongeBob was not a quality program, but they started getting away from like wholesome stuff like Doug, Hey Arnold. Yeah. All the good and stuff. And expanding. Yeah. I can't even name anything that's not on like Nick at Night now. Yeah. Well, one of the things I was reading was saying like why it was after SpongeBob was because SpongeBob was one of the first times where they were like where toys were getting bigger. So they were like, hey, let's just fucking market the hell out of SpongeBob. And like you were saying, put all their eggs in one basket. But, um, Essentially, it was like all hinged on SpongeBob because they started making a shitload off the merchandise and toys and other things. Yeah. But another thing I found here, check this out. Let me know how you guys feel about this. So Eastman and Laird were once sued $5 million US by Buffalo Bob Smith, host of Howdy Doody Show, because he says they stole Cowabunga (laughs) from his program. Uh, I told him to fuck off. Yeah, he said the word 
was a catchphrase greeting of a Native American character named Chief Thunder Thud on his show. That's uh, racist. Now, after a few months of legal hassle, Smith settled out of court for 50 grand. Unbelievable. So basically it was like, here's 50 grand, fuck you. Yeah, but go fuck yourself. We're making a billion off the toys. Keep this 50 grand and shove howdy duty up your ass. <laughs> and why don't you go give half of this to the Native Americans that you disrespected by calling them Chief Thunder Thud. <laughs> and having them say Cowabunga. So, future successes, uh, I mean, future of the Turtles. So, September of this year, a couple of weeks now, not even, we got a new Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, going to be a 2D rendition produced by Andy Swirano, and I'm sorry that I butchered that. This is the same guy who did character designs for Samurai Jack, and if you take some time to go back and watch the previews for the show, there's definitely a huge influence. influence? Oh, okay. yeah. So it could be pretty cool. I think so. Um, it's supposed to be a little bit lighter and more humor-oriented than its predecessor. And John Cena going to be voicing the main bad guy. And that's why he's a voice actor, because you can't see him. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to be voicing the main bad guy, Baron Draxum. And uh, this will apparently, I found this interesting, be the first time April O'Neil is portrayed as a black woman. Okay. Although so, not the first time she's portrayed as non-white. Oh, okay. okay. So a little bit of shout so, out. you know, doing a little different things there. Uh, so check it out. That's Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Coming uh, in September. Yeah. Maybe we'll have a viewing party. Now, let's get back to the OG roots for a second. The original comic, um, it's no secret, rapid success, right? Um, takes off. And this led to a huge output of just like self-published black and white uh, comic parodies of Ninja Turtles themselves. This was like similar to Alien. You know how we were saying when Alien 1 came out, all these like B-horror movies were released to like cash in off its success. Yeah, like they even released like Alien 2, but it had nothing to do with <laughs> Alien, you know? Um, some of these spinoffs include adult thermonuclear samurai elephants, <laughs> adolescent radioactive black belt hamsters, and these are all real comics. I am not making this shit up. You can go check them out. Preteen dirty gene kung fu kangaroos. <laughs> That's the best one, probably. Cold-blooded chameleon commandos, mildly microwaved prepubescent kung fu gophers, and my personal favorite, geriatric gangrene jujitsu gerbils. And what about the uh, tenant mutant ninja turtles? Oh yeah, even still going on to this day, 2016, ten-inch mutant ninja turtles. <laughs> Check it out. Now, now, what is that title? Now, for our listeners? I mean, they're going to have to check that out. This dude. is NSFW, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Don't Google this on your work computer. Or do. See what happens. <laughs> yeah. or, maybe or go ahead job. and do. Um, check out 10 Inch Mutant Ninja Turtles. Let us know what you think. <laughs> now, also, I would think Street Sharks, to some extent, was a ripoff of Whoa. Ninja Turtles, right? Whoa. Let's not go there. Well, you don't not? think so? You don't think Street Sharks at all was in those guys had never seen Ninja Turtles and just came up with sharks who are into action sports <laughs> that uh, you fight know, crime. Fight crime. 
Maybe. I'm not saying it, it um, takes away from that could the be show. A new episode, oh, though. Uh, 100%. That's a great fucking show. That's, that was a great cartoon, great toys. Mm-hmm. But Still I'm, is. I'm thinking, to some extent, they, they were influenced by Ninja Turtles. You know, it was a different time in the 90s. Everybody's kind of ripping each other off a little yeah. bit. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, what? GoBots and uh, Transformers. Shut the fuck up, GoBot. <laughs> right? GoBots and Transformers. Uh, you had Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon. You have, uh, what else? Come on, name me some other stuff. Zoids, Gundam. Oh, yeah. What else we got? This Digimon, Pokemon. Yeah. There's a bunch. Yeah, a bunch dude. of Mons. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh! said that you're unbelievable um so you know just going off the rapid success of these guys um the first concept sketch we talked about in the very opening of all four ninja turtles from 1983 by eastman and laird where the guys were one up in each other yep yep sold by heritage auctions in may of 2012 for a cool 71 thousand seven hundred u.s dollars not bad for a couple guys sitting around getting high sketching stuff and now rob this could be you this is where uh you come in first issue of the comic which originally sold for a dollar fifty um within just a year like we were talking about limited release um you know some three thousand copies on their first run they were all within a year. They were already reselling for fifty times the cover price. So it's like supreme. Yeah, and today a first print copy, uh, a true first print copy of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one would run you about anywhere from twenty five hundred to four grand. Not too shabby. Depending on the uh, condition. I mean, the success was a shock to these guys, to say the least. Um, Peter Laird again very vocal about the whole franchise. He says, and I quote, starting the turtles was a goof. It was not anything we envisioned directing our lives in any way, shape or form. It was like, Hey, this looks fun. Let's self publish it. Let's see what happens. Suddenly and completely out of the blue, the turtles phenomenon emerged and really from day one just took over. It was rapidly acceler- It was a rapidly accelerating process, which culminated in essentially taking over our lives completely. So, I mean, what do you guys think about this? I mean, this basically just consumed their lives. I mean, these guys, Mirage Comics, great illustrators. I mean, you know, what else could these guys have put out if Ninja Turtles wasn't as successful as it was? Or do you think these guys were completely content to just say, hey... We're cashing in on this. Think uh, everything happens and works out for a reason, boys. These guys put out something they had fun with. That that's a trick, man. You gotta do something you enjoy. Put out something you have fun with. Oh yeah. And you you can't take it too seriously. I mean, look at these guys. Right. This whole thing started as a joke and it's making them multimillionaires. I mean, we could follow in the footsteps, print off some iron on stuff for shirts. Print off some 3D action figures of us drinking <laughs> oh, yeah. beer. We're talking into my and you paint your steel. I'm telling you, market a cartoon that just kidifies us. <laughs> we get our own TV show like Rick and Ah, dude. So many ideas right now. I think playing off the uh, putting all the eggs in one basket thing. I feel like once that took off for them, they kind of 
that's all they were focused on, you know? Like, this is making us so much money, we don't even need to do any other shit. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's all these guys wanted to do in the first place anyways, was just make a living writing comics. Like, their hero, Jack Kirby. Uh, and I would say massive success. I mean... Um, Bang up job, fellas. Yeah, Ninja Turtles, huge. But Laird did say in an interview um, I was reading, he was like, you know... Ask me how many, uh, how much other stuff I've done besides turtles, and he says nothing. It's all been turtles, you know. Turtles all the way down. Yep, turtles all the way down. That's uh, <laughs> that's basically uh, his thought on the whole matter. And you got to tip your hat off to these guys, man. I mean, starting something as a joke, that successful, having that much of an impact on all these kids. Smuggling turtles into the UK. Yeah, decimate ecosystems. Now, I really think though it was it was more so the whole uh, marketing of the toy aspect, right? I think so. Well, there you have it, guys. Um, Ninja Turtles uh, creation story. Um, where the franchise is going? You know, let us know your thoughts. If we missed anything, or uh, if there's anything you guys want us to cover on future episodes. Uh, Shoot us a message. Um, we're always down to uh, listen to what you guys have to say. If you have any of this memorabilia, paraphernalia, take some pictures, share it with... Hey, you never know what people might have, man. A little turtle bong or something. I'm sure that's a thing. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Take some pictures, share it with us on the Instagram, tag us. And, you know, as always, feel free to shoot us an email, podcastfromouterspace at gmail.com. If you're interested in grabbing some stickers... Uh, you know, shoot us decal iron-ons. Shoot, yeah, shoot us that email, and you know, once again, if you feel like sliding in those DMs on IG is a little bit easier for you. Podcast from outer space on Instagram, and uh, that's all for me, boys. Cowabunga! So long, and thanks for all the fish. Oh, no. Just do it for the show.